This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and to help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to Be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash ntbf for Nowhere to Be Found. That's better betterhelp.com slash ntbf. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. Making a podcast has been a learning experience for me. Trying to figure out all the ins and outs of the social media platforms, the recording process, the editing process, and the marketing process can all be very time-consuming and a little overwhelming. There are several tools that I've used along the way to help me. And one of those tools is Podcorn. Basically what Podcorn does is they help connect podcasts and sponsorships. You just build a profile for your podcast on podcorn.com and they give you access to a list of sponsors so that you can find the one that supports your cause. It's been super simple, which I really appreciate. So thanks again to Podcorn for sponsoring tonight's episode And I'll put a link in tonight's show notes for anybody who's looking to make their own podcast. You'll definitely want to check it out. Previously on Nowhere to be Found. Dallas realized that Randy meant something. If she said something and Randy said, well, look, look, I got this friend that owns this trailer in Happy Camp. Uh, Here's the keys to the Toyota. And uh, we'll just get rid of your Jeep and don't worry about it. Just contact me, Tom, or Nick. Uh, give us some sort of proof that you're okay, and we'll relay that message on, and, and we'll stop looking. I'm your host, Amanda Papineau, and this is Nowhere to be Found. A few weeks ago, we heard my interview with Jenny and Lorna, two of the ladies running the Help Find Fauna Fry Facebook page. The third part of that trio is Mickey. She's one of Fauna's best friends from high school and Lorna's niece. She knew Fauna well in high school and has been on this journey with Fauna's dad, John, every day for months. She was able to fill in some more of the missing pieces for me. My name's Mickey. And I uh, grew up in Eugene, 
and I actually lived on the same street. We lived kind of across the street from each other uh, in the first house she lived at when she moved to Eugene from Grants Pass area. And that was back in, I don't remember what year, but I think that it was summer of my sophomore year. So it was after my freshman year and after her freshman year, we're the same age. And so that would have probably been like 1990, I think. Okay. And did you go to Churchill then as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so you guys were neighbors and just kind of got to know each other that way. What was she like back then? Well, um, she and her, she has a little sister and I have a little sister. And so Fawn and I are the same age and my little sister, Danielle, is the same age as Aura, her little sister. Mm-hmm. And Fauna and Aura and her dad moved here before Dale came down. Dale stayed back up there and finished his um, last year of high school with his mom. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, um, another friend of mine that used to live in Grants Pass, well, she actually did live in Grants Pass again, but she had lived in Eugene for a year. Um, she recognized Fauna right after they had moved in. So this girl happened to be in town, and she came over to visit me. And she recognized Fauna and Aura when she was visiting me. And this was like, I think they had only lived there for maybe a week or so. Hmm. And so the, her and I walked over and introduced ourselves. And then Danny and Aura actually became quite close pretty rapidly. And hmm. then Fauna and I became good friends. And I introduced Fauna to um, to some other friends of ours, uh, actually they ended up being like Fauna's best friends and, and lifelong friends. Fauna and I kind of drifted apart after high school. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of drifted apart from all of the high school friends, but, uh, Fauna stayed close with, um, with those same girls that I had introduced her to. And oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was really nice. And so, was she outgoing or was she, she kind of shy? shy. Yeah, she? she was pretty shy. Uh, once you got to know her, she wasn't shy and she was uh, a lot of fun. But she was definitely somebody who was up for anything, but also pretty conservative, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So she um, she liked to, you know, do all the fun stuff, but she was always like on the, would do things on like the safer side. Yeah. 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 How was she? Was she studious? Like, would you, was she uh, really into school? Was she sporty? Like, what kind of stuff was she into back in high school? I don't think she actually played any sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was more into her dad. So her dad was a builder. Mm -hmm. And so she was really close with her dad and her sister. And they did a lot of help with like the remodeling. Okay. And, and so they were, they were kind of into that sort of thing and spent a lot of time with, with family. That's nice. And, and I would say like, you know, that back then we just, we would listen to the radio. We listened to KSMB, mm-hmm. K-Sound, and we would, we would call in and make song requests and yeah. sit around in the, you know, in one of our bedrooms, just hanging out. I mean, that's kind of. That's kind of what we did on the weekends. And then, you know, we did some partying or whatever you want to call it. But Fauna wasn't really into into a lot of that. But she would go along with. But 
Yeah. She wasn't much into drinking or anything. Yeah, totally. Okay. And so then as uh, you guys kind of got older, you know, pretty, pretty standard kind of fall away from your high school friends a little bit. And um, did you guys, did you see her at all after high school? Like, had you had any run-ins mm-hmm. with her? Yeah. So my sister and I moved to Hawaii mm. one year, like over spring break. And it was in 1996, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aura ended up coming over and Fauna. And Aura rented an apartment in the same complex that we were at. And Aura stayed. Fauna only spent like maybe a week there. And then she went back home. And she was always just into like working. She went to college for a little bit after high school and took some classes maybe. But she, she, she was pretty employable and she was very attractive and easy to talk to like Mm -hmm. I could imagine that she probably did pretty well in job interviews because she was uh, very mature yeah yeah I'd kind of heard she's like that very dependable type like not the type of person who would like call out of work or anything like that very um, responsible yeah I would say she was really responsible okay and so fast forward now to um this summer how how did you find out that she went missing and how did you get involved with with this whole case uh and investigation well i saw something come across on facebook and jenny i saw that jenny had made some comments on there and so i got a hold of jenny and her and i were talking about it and she had shared with me that Fawn had actually been missing for like a month and that john was doing everything on his own mm-hmm and he had been really kind of um, unsupported by the police. The police had just implied that she had taken off in- intentionally mm-hmm. and that she would return and just to give her some time and some space. But knowing the fauna that I knew back then, I know a lot of years have passed, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine that she would have just taken off. Um, but, sure. you know, that's that's always a possibility that just struck me as kind of a like out of character from the song that I knew back in high school. And yeah. So when, um, Jenny had told me that, you know, like I should reach out to John. So I did. And then Jenny and I just started talking like all of the time. And mm-hmm. I had suggested that the Michael Bryson case had a Facebook group and I said, why don't we do that? And so I started the Facebook page and, um, I asked Jenny if my aunt could help be an admin because it was just too much of a responsibility for just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And she agreed. And my aunt had been helping with like boots on the ground searching a little bit because so my aunt's only like nine or 10 years older than I am. Okay. And so she was at our house all the time. And so she, she knew Fauna from just being like all of my friends knew my aunt Laura Mm -hmm. from, you know, middle school, elementary, middle and high school, because she was over a lot. And her daughter, Whitney is about nine years younger than me. So it just, we were, Lorna was kind of like a big sister. Yeah. So, yeah. So Lorna was, um, more than willing to help when we thought she might've gone missing, like, uh, out of the woods here. There was a period of time where we were doing some searching around there and that's not far from Lorna's house. So Lorna was, and so she and John would meet up at a 
store or something. And so Lorna became part of the Facebook page for that. And then we created the email and then we created the, um, I went and rented a post office box and we went through many different versions of the flyers mm-hmm. and, uh, John doesn't do any tech stuff. Yeah. Like technology is what I'm saying. Not text doesn't, he doesn't text either, but he doesn't do any technology stuff like these, this family was unique in the sense that they didn't like have Wi-Fi. I don't think at their house until, you know, maybe three or so years ago. Yeah. Um, and they didn't have cell phones. They had pay as you go phones, um, just for the purposes of keeping in touch, you know, with each other mostly. And occasionally with, I think their um, like some of the friends that they kept in touch with, but it wasn't like, uh, a smartphone it was just right. a little flip phone and that, no you know you like social media or anything either right no right no well dallas does have social media but he has like 21 friends or something like yeah that. okay i did see that yeah. actually yes so he has yeah. a very minimal uh page but nothing for yeah. fauna and nothing for john obviously no and if fauna does have a, a social media page it would have just been for the purposes of like maybe looking somebody up or something but it wouldn't be under her name um mm-hmm. and the only reason i say that she could possibly have a social media page that nobody knows about is because she did use her laptop trying to find this girl that she went to elementary and middle school with named sandra mm-hmm. i believe her name is up in um the medford grants area mm-hmm. and and I know she found her at one point. And so I don't know if she found her just by like Google or Dext, you know, yeah. or if she found her on social media, but she did find her somehow. So, okay. So she is a little more techie at least. And it kind of struck me too, since they run a business together, uh, I just don't really hear of a lot of businesses these days that run without you know, um, a website and the social media, it it is like you said, kind of a unique situation, um, that this family is in and it's, um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't over busy themselves. I mean, they definitely enjoyed having a life, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, being out in nature was a big part of their life. Like I think hiking every day without an exaggeration was part of the routine. Um, from what I've come to understand, um, like a, a short, a short walk to them probably would be like a few miles or something. Oh wow! And yeah, so they, I think they did walks on the regular, like almost daily. And that was important to them. And so being, and being together and, and things like that was important to them. So it wasn't like one of these things where they were like trying to get rich or something, you know, right. Right. Probably, they probably like, um, worked to like worked enough to, to live and, be comfortable but not right. living to work you know yeah yeah um so okay so you kind of reach out to john you guys get this page going and what um what has it been like i mean what do you feel like the feedback has been and the involvement from the community so far um i would say that for the most part the um the community has come together and, and been as helpful as we've allowed them to be really, yeah. we've had some people that have been amazing and super into going out and searching and been there for John, uh, whenever they're, they're able. And that's been awesome. But because we're really limited on the amount that we're able to share, uh-huh. 
there's been less involvement, I would say, but I, I don't think that there's, I don't, I don't feel like that's because nobody wants to help. I feel like right. if we were, if we were to give more information and kind of put everything out there that we know that we probably would get a lot more interest. And so I'm pretty pleased with the amount of people that are um, following like the Facebook group yeah, and yeah. Um, sharing their ideas and things like that. Uh, as far as like, yeah, I think, I think that that everybody's doing the best that they can. And if we were to put out there that we want to go and start some search thing for this summer or this yeah. spring, I'm hoping that we'll have people that will be interested like we did last time. Absolutely. It's just, it's just sort of unfortunate that we can't share more but I understand also right. like law enforcement's perspective and we have to be respectful of that. Okay. So that is coming from law enforcement directly that they are hesitant to um, release some of these finer details um, in hopes that if someone were to come forward with those details, that that person would be able to prove that they actually know something. Is that kind of along the right lines? Yes, I would, I would say that that's, that's been what we've been told. Okay. And we kind of, I've kind of experienced that a little bit too with the Michael Bryson case. A little bit less, I would say, than... They've been a lot more transparent from the very beginning. Yes. So things were things were out there from the very start. And the girls and I had a discussion around like how much leniency we were going to allow people for posting. Uh-huh. And early on, we just, we decided that we are going to just make it so that we have to clear everything that's posted right because there's there's no need for speculation and mm-hmm. with somebody going missing like fauna did um and the fact that she picked up a hitchhiker and did which is really out of character for her yeah um and just some of the other things that seem like out of characteristic for for what we know of her mm-hmm. anyway um and for what like her the people that she was close with you know, that's definitely out of, they've all attested to that. So my whole point is that the people begin speculating and that is mm-hmm. not helpful. Right. And then they'll say things that are just completely not true about her using, like she must be into drugs. Right. Because most, most of the women that have gone missing, or at least up in that area, um, or men for that matter, but um, there's a, a number of women that have gone missing in that area that are actually in the thirties and forties age range. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, not all of them, but there is a history of a trend of like mm-hmm. drug addiction mm-hmm. um, and chronic homelessness and things like that. And that's just not the case with right. uh, with fauna. Which is part of what makes it so terrifying, to be completely honest. Um, not that drug use in any way, you know, warrants somebody going missing or, you know, anything like that. And so for fauna's case... For there to be none of that, she's never been a drug user. She doesn't have an alcohol problem. She doesn't have any, you know, crazy ex-boyfriends that have been stalking her, you know, any of these kind of classic things that lead to to these disappearances. It makes it a little, a little more chilling to me that, you know, this could be anybody. This could have been you. It could have been me. And she was down there trying to, you know tell some of her brother's friends and and give some of her brother's belongings to friends and she's just gone out of nowhere mm-hmm. and that's that's really striking to me yeah it's scary it's, oh. yeah absolutely and because i'm like that could have been me like minus the no cell phone thing and she 
like she took her older vehicle, Mm -hmm. which is also a little bit odd. Um, It's just hard to make sense of stuff like that because it's really easy to say like, oh, why didn't she? She's definitely trying to go missing on purpose because she took a car that can't be traced. You know, like she has like a 2019 BMW SUV. That's perfect Mm -hmm. condition. I wonder if it was more like she knew she was going to be driving on some gravel roads or something, well, you know? And also, like, she knows she's going into some sketchy areas. True. And she's from there, and she knows what the place has turned into because True. she lived there not that long ago. And you don't just hang out in Cave Junction. I mean, Fauna was pretty brave. That's part of the timeline right. that I'm just, like, scratching my head that the hitchhiker... And yeah. Wolf Creek is also known to be on the sketch side. A very sketch. So, you know, having a, you know, almost brand new BMW, you definitely yeah. would turn some heads, whereas That's you're true. driving a 20-year-old Jeep. So it's really easy, though, for people to draw these conclusions like, oh, she purposely didn't take her phone. She purposely drove a vehicle that can't be tracked, you know, and she hmm. she pulled out cash. But if you were really no. going to disappear... I mean, I'd be thinking like, get on a plane, like get on, like I'm right, gone. And she left her, and she left her purse at home. I mean, she did take her wristlet, like wallet, but she, I mean, she left a lot of things at home that. Well, and, and just, she left a bank account with money, like it's yeah, a decent and it's, amount of money it's in sitting it. there, mm-hmm. untouched. And yeah. her dad, that's the big one. So here, her dad has lost uh, Dallas. Kids, yeah, and you know, from everything that I've heard. They are very close. So right. that, to me, um, th- that points to no. She wouldn't just leave John to deal with this enormous tragedy of losing Dallas and then the uncertainty. You know, if if she was going to go off the grid for a while, I can't see why she wouldn't be able to tell John, like, hey, Dad, you know, I'm struggling. This is too much for me and I need to take a break and I need to go off the grid for a little bit. And I can't imagine that anybody would say anything except for, of course, I'm here for, you know, whatever you need and call me and let me know that you're okay. Well, what else would you say? So I just don't see why it would have to be a big secret. You know, she's a grown woman. (laughs) And John's not a real techie guy, like we've said, to really have the means to track her down. So if she just said, I'm going off the grid, I I just can't see where she'd be like, gosh, I'm really afraid he's going to find me. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just doesn't really fit to me. And I don't even know her. So I can't imagine how it feels for for you and for the family who's like, uh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Okay, so um, we'll just go through kind of quick. Looking at her timeline, um, I know you said that the hitchhiker to you was out of character. Picking up even a female hitchhiker is out of character for Fauna. Well, from what I what I know of Fauna from back then, I I would say that she was on the more cautious side. Mm -hmm. I was on the more cautious side too. That's one thing that her and I had in common. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I used to do you know, do some crazy stuff that I, you know, with my friends and things like that. But for the most part, I was more conservative. Right. And I just hung out with people who like to do fun. And certainly today, you know, back in high school, I think we all probably made some questionable decisions. But today, even, you know, that 
I wouldn't pick up a, a hitchhiker. Would would you pick up a hitchhiker? No, okay. no, I definitely. Well, I wouldn't have back then either. Right, I wouldn't so give you that. Yes. No, no way. And that's why I'm saying, like, I don't. Right. I don't think that she would have either. And I know that this hitchhiker reminded her of somebody that she used to converse with occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think might have been a transient or definitely like pretty low income, um, that hung out or she would run into at this market that she would stop in at near her the family home yeah. i think it's like maybe jasper market or something like that okay and uh and so i know the hitchhiker reminded her of that person because she had told her dad that when they talked on the phone the one night okay and that was sort of like her her reason for for doing picking it. her up or whatever it was like oh she reminds me of so-and-so hmm. and and so she I mean, that, that's the only thing I can think of. It was like, oh, you know, she was just trying to be helpful right. in Felt this bad. state of, of grief and shock and, and uh-huh. whatnot. So it's hard to say what she was really thinking. Sure. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that she felt unsafe or she wouldn't have. She, she would, wouldn't have done I can't it. imagine that she'd put herself in a position where she would right. intentionally be um, putting herself in an unsafe spot. Right. Not like she's, you know going around looking to be reckless do because that's another right. you know another thing you could say is here she is in this state of grief is she in a reckless state of mind where she's like you know what i am going to go to these sketchy places and i am going to you know that's a that's a mm-hmm. theory that you could theorize but again based on the things that i've learned from you know talking to friends and family already it just doesn't fit with this kind of conservative uh quiet shy just a little more responsible sounding woman to me right and i spoke with sean um who was uh the guy that she went down to inform of dallas's death and that was something else that struck me uh a little bit was that dallas uh sean sean refers to dallas as a very good friend and um fauna shows up to sean's house unannounced and the funeral for Dallas had already happened at that point. They weren't like the the rest of the world in terms of all of the all of the social media and all of that stuff. Like that just wasn't part of their lifestyle. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just I different. Wanna, I don't want to speculate. Yeah. I don't want to speculate, but I just feel like it would have been, and maybe it would have just been awkward. Yeah. To have, yeah. To have a, to invite a bunch of people when that's just not really, that's, they didn't have big family gatherings. That right. just wasn't something that they did. And when, um, when did Aura pass? How old were you guys when that happened? Oh gosh. Um, so her mom passed first. And then Aura passed two years later. So I want to say Aura was like 26 and I was like 28. Okay. I think. Okay. I think that's about right. And that was obviously heartbreaking. And especially for Fauna, your only sister, they're very close in age. That's Yeah, they were really close. They lived together close. Like they were, they were roommates also in Portland. Wow. So, yeah. They were really close and gosh. Yeah. Uh, just the amount of grief. Uh, it's really unrelatable. I mean, which is very fortunate on my behalf to be able to say that, but I just have never experienced 
the amount of grief that I've heard in Fauna's last two decades, first her mother, then her sister, then her brother, I just don't have the words for what that would feel like. And nobody really does. No, and she was the first one to know about each of their deaths as well. So when Mira died, you know, she was the one to find out about that and had to tell the other the others from what I understand. Mm. And when Aura died, it was, you know, she had to tell her her dad and, and her brother because she, she found out first. So it was, um, you know, and then she found her brother. Right. It's, it's you know. So it's all really, it's debilitating to even think about. I cannot imagine just even putting your, you know, one foot in front of the other to continue on. You know, Jenny said that she ran into her just a couple days after Dallas died. And, um, you know, Fauna broke down then. And just to be able to, I mean, go on this like kind of pilgrimage is what Sean was calling it to give some of his belongings and, and kind of, uh, tie up some loose ends type of thing. It sounds like the hardest trip you'll ever make. <laughs> it's yeah. It's one thing after another for her and I just yeah, I really yeah, feel Sean, for her. And yeah. Um, and she she was bound to determine to do the trip by herself. Okay. And her dad really wanted to go with her mm-hmm. and she, she they had discussed it that day. Mm-hmm. And so she, we don't really know why she like scurried out of there like she did or you know at the weird time of evening slash nighttime that she left like that seems really peculiar but mm-hmm. it really could have simply been that she just didn't want to get talked into doing the trip with her dad maybe she just really wanted to do it on her own and yeah she just needed time to just to go on her own be, and she yeah wanted it, to go for a couple of days and turn around and come back and uh and that could have been Absolutely. As simple as that. And so she just didn't want to make the whole drive with all that crap in her car. Yeah. And so she went to the dump to dump it and, and they weren't open. So she had to stay for a while until it was. And, and she knew if she went it. home, maybe John would talk her into letting him go or just having to tell him no again. You know, that I could see that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, who knows? Um, yeah. I could see it. Yeah. that To me, that kind of makes sense. And then. And then she went, so she stopped somewhere and got chicken, went and saw Sean. She wasn't there for very long. Uh, like, from what I understand, it was less than an hour. Right, yeah. And she did not seem to have a phone. That doesn't mean she didn't have one because, I mean, even if you have a, the kind of phone that she had with her, if she, let's say she took Dallas's phone because there's speculation, like, we kind of think she had Dallas's phone okay. um, because of when she called her dad from motel Mm -hmm. there actually is no record of an outgoing call from the motel room so we know she didn't call from the motel room Hmm. although she was at the motel room when the time of day matched when like it makes sense that she was in the room but she had to have had a phone and so it's more than likely she had dale's phone because both of her phones were at the house okay she had like an older phone that like expired and instead of renewing the minutes she just got a new one like okay you know how it's like sometimes cheaper to just get the new right right just like one of the prepaid phone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because it's a prepaid phone um or pay as you go you can add minutes to it so she for whatever reason she um didn't add minutes to the other one but had like basically an identical phone if she's has a history of buying these prepaid phones, could she have bought one somewhere along the way? It seems likely that she would pick one up. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. It's at least safe to say it's a possibility that somewhere along the line she obtained a phone, and that's why nobody knows the number, nobody has any 
previous knowledge of this phone existing because it didn't exist. She went up there for the purpose of dropping the stuff off of her brothers because she felt really, really uh, drawn to do so. Uh She was bound to determine, like, and it had to be done right away. There was... There was an urgency to it, yeah, and and the the lack of quantity, I guess, the, the short amount of time that she spent at Sean's house, yeah, even reinforces that there was an urgency, right? Like she wanted the next address, she wanted to go, you right. know, like she, she was on this mission, time. yes, and she, and it doesn't surprise me really that she didn't tell anyone about the funeral. I mean, just because we were not informed about auras, and it wouldn't yeah. have been hard to find any of us. At all. Yeah. Like, and Sean you know. said the same thing that, that Dale, um, it's funny. Some people call him Dale. Some people call him Dallas, but so Dale didn't tell him for months about aura and didn't tell him the circumstances surrounding Aura's death for three years. So that kind of led me to, it, it, it kind no, of just shows this pattern here that this yeah. is how this family is. They're very private They've gone through a lot. They have each other and they kind of cling to this family pack. And anybody else, um, it's not that, like you said, it's not that they don't enjoy people's companies, but they just have this very small inner circle. Yeah, it kind of all starts to come together and um, paint, paint a clearer picture for me. Though I wish I wish it was clearer still because I obviously have no idea what the heck happened and it's. There's still oh, so many car was up there. And the placement of the car was very odd. You know, it's it. There's a lot of uh, a lot of room for speculation, certainly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, her car did have some pressure marks on the top from the tires. You could tell that it had been sitting and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that doesn't mean it was sitting there. Right. Could and have been sitting anywhere. Yeah. It could have been sitting anywhere. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Okay. I think if most of us had it our way, we would lay it all out there sure. and it's been really difficult not to, Yeah. but I just want to be careful that this isn't that the case and everyone remembers that these are like real, this is a real, they're real people. Is, yeah. Yeah. A real and family. This isn't just about like solving some mystery. Armchair detectives uh, can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they and they can be super important and helpful. Sure, and we want to be sure that we express all of our gratitude for anybody that wants to be helpful. But absolutely over speculation and just making these assumptions that are pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, because it seems like that must be the way it is. Like, and and I'm guilty of doing it too. Sure, I we mean, can all speculate. During our con- but... Yeah, during our conversation just with you, like I've had plenty of speculation, so I don't want to act like people shouldn't speculate but just doing so in a way that's not gonna make her character right they're good people and it's just a really sad sad thing that has has happened and it's it's an absolute tragedy to think what john has gone through like three children yes unimaginable it is it's unimaginable it's unspeakable you don't it's you wouldn't even believe it if i didn't know them i think this couldn't happen to the same I've never met, I've never heard of anything like this. And that's why part of why that this story is so captivating and it, and it instantly made me want to help in any way that I could. And and it sounds like, you know, you and Jenny and Lorna are all kind of in the same boat. It's like, once you hear John's story, it's like, how could you turn away? Well, and he is just the most loving, kind, gracious, humble, 
wants to help. Mm-hmm. Like he has done a ton of helpful things that, that I've witnessed just since this, just being a part of this with him. Wow. Um, I've, I've seen his generosity and it's, it's really touching. Like mm-hmm. I could, I've learned a lot just about humanity from witnessing John and wow. seeing the way that he, the way that he handles himself mm-hmm. uh, with people and the way that he, um, he's very well-spoken. He's very gentle. He's super nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's genuinely cares. I mean, he genuinely cares about other people and what yeah. they're going through. I deal with a lot of significant health issues with my kids. And the first thing he always says to me is he's, he's genuinely wants to just know like how my family is, how are my kids? How's my daughter? Yeah. Cause we deal with a lot of hospitalizations and, uh, and, and it's, there's no fakeness to it. Right. He, he totally means it from the bottom of his heart. And that's yeah. just part of the reason I feel like the kids were so close with their dad yeah uh was is because like who wouldn't want to just be near that right he's easy to get along with easy to be around yeah and so um but I think that for the most part the three of us would put so much more out on the table if we were allowed to like we would put everything that was in her car we would I mean there's stuff in her car I think some of that stuff would be helpful she has hair dye in her car brown hair dye Yes, like that's unopened though. Yes, but did she buy two and then only need one? I mean, who knows? Like, is it even hers? You know, who bought it? And that's not on the list of things that she bought. No, no. She also pulled two hundred dollars in cash. So who's to say what she bought with that? Right. Could have been. It could have been a prepaid phone and two boxes of hair dye for all we know. Well, and so they, and so they finally have figured out, they're figuring out where the hair dye was bought based mm-hmm. on the serial numbers. Uh-huh. And they just, just now figured that out. They've had this hair dye since what? September? Yeah. Something? Wow. October. They just now figured out what the serial number is and what store it's associated with, um, is what they're going for now. Okay. And then after that, they're going to figure out if there's any camera footage left. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I think until the car's processed, we won't have any. And any ideas? What's the deal on that? Are they just sitting, just they, just sitting they, there? They just say, well, we can't process it because it's not a crime. So, so it's then can you give it to get processed, but it can't be processed until it's like they have time to do it. And so as long as there's other things that are actually criminal that's what they process first. And if we take it back from them to go get it processed somewhere else, it can never be on our, then they, yeah. So, right. You broke the chain of evidence. Right. Right. Oh, okay. So it's hard to say, but I mean, which is never going to be able to prove that it's a, that it was a crime unless there's a body. I mean, unless, well, actually you mentioned bloody socks. That sounds like well, Andrew found but... bloody socks like pretty far from her car. Like not like when I say far from her car, it would be like if you went camping and they were like in the campsite over. Okay, far. like female socks. But they were they were like white crew socks. Okay. Okay. Fauna wore white ankle socks, okay. and it and it looked like it didn't look like oh somebody got a blister because they looked new. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't look like they had been worn. It looked more like somebody had 
maybe cut themselves and like used it to grab a hold of a pair of socks. So yeah. Okay. Um, But there also was like a, a tampon next to the car that was pretty close and fauna would never discard anything like that right she's like a nature lover yeah there was a lot of um squatting evidence okay really close to the car which kind of fits with that area so yeah she could have just been in a really bad state of mind the hair dye is very interesting to me that's interesting that's yeah, and it was a brown color. It was like almost like it was like dark, dark brown. Right, like she is totally and, trying to change her appearance. Or was it even her? Or was it even her? Talking to Mickey was super interesting for me. A few things that stuck out to me in our conversation were that the Jeep had pressure marks on the tires, indicating that it had been sitting for an extended period of time. Also that the police are tracking the hair dye through serial numbers to find where it was bought. And the bloody socks. The socks are something that I've heard of before, but to clarify some information, a pair of new-looking crew socks with blood on them was found by a searcher up by where the Jeep was found. They had no reason to believe that it was Fauna's socks or blood, because the spot that the socks were found was clearly being used as a squatting area at the time. None of the belongings in that area are thought to be Fauna's. The police do have the socks at this time. I learned a lot about Fauna's case last weekend. With the help of Happy Camper's RV rentals, I went down to Grant's Pass where Fauna went missing, and I recreated her timeline with some help from John and some other fellow stay-at-home detectives. I found myself in a familiar position, Realizing that a case I thought I knew goes so much deeper than I could have imagined. And in a few weeks, we will thoroughly dive into that trip and everything that I learned. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Oregon Wild Rice. I love that this rice is locally grown and sustained right here in Harrisburg. And I was blown away by how flavorful and nutritious Oregon Wild Rice is. Their rice is a healthy, delicious, better choice side dish. So thanks again to Oregon Wild Rice for sponsoring Nowhere to be Found, and I'll post the link to their website in the show notes so that you can check them out. Next time on Nowhere to be Found. The most time I spent with her, yeah, in our adult life was in between her mom passing and her sister passing. If it wasn't us, like, where some somebody must have been in her life. What about all the other people missing from Grant's staff? We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show. So we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com.